The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. This is another session uh, concerning the upcoming presidential elections. We've already had a one an hour and 15 minute plus lesson on the uh, issues involved in the upcoming presidential elections, followed up by a nine or 10 minute uh, addendum. And this, this third installment actually uh, is prompted by developments. It seems that every day that goes by now, we have new developments. The director of the FBI uh, reopening the investigation into Mrs. Clinton's uh, private server, her emails involving matters of security for our country, uh, charges of criminal uh, misconduct, and so on. These things are very, very serious, obviously. Uh, and so uh, there are a few more thoughts that have come to mind uh, with regard to the upcoming election. In the first place, uh, I think it, it is something we need to ponder when the question of the legitimacy of our elections comes up. Uh, during the third debate, uh, Mr. Trump was asked if he would accept the election if it went against him, and he, uh, he would not commit to accepting the election. He mocked at that. He said he would uh, surprise us. Um, now, this isn't the first time, of course, that candidates have, uh, before the election, expressed their misgivings about the, the legitimacy, the honesty of the elections. Uh, in fact, the Democrats, a uh, number of Democrats, leading Democrats, have expressed their own concerns about the legitimacy of the elections, although it does seem um, to be the trend that the, the votes were, that are uh, questionable uh, tend to have gone democratic, and that is to put it mildly. In fact, there are charges of massive vote fraud, and that is certainly possible, and certainly possible here in our own country at this time uh, with the technology that we have, the, the way the voting machines are handled and all the rest. Uh, we have to realize that our system is subject to fraud and um, fraud on a massive scale. And so I don't want to in any way impugn that question or impugn those who question the legitimacy of the electoral process. It's something that needs to be examined very, very carefully and watched very carefully. And uh, there is good reason, I believe, for, for uh, the very serious questions that are being asked. What concerns me, though, is this, that when we have come to this point where we are actually uh, uh, finding that so many of the American people have misgivings about the legitimacy of the election numbers, uh, we might be approaching a point of a tipping point for civil war. 
And this is the thing that has concerned me for quite some time. In conjunction with the prophecies of Our Lady at Fatima, what we've witnessed in other countries, what we've seen happening in our own country, we see this fragmentation that is taking place in the populace of our own country. We see the importation of tens of thousands of aliens from other and uh, other warlike uh, cultures, so to speak. We, we've seen so much going on that uh, induces violence, induces violence within our own populace, in our own cities, in our own states. We've seen the leftist agitation that has gone on. And, um, of course, we know that Marxism uh, demands that violence. It demands uh, turning class against class, color against color, income level against income level, and so on and so forth. It demands that. This is the way in uh, Marxism uh, society makes progress by destroying, by uh, uh, mutual assured destruction, as it were. Um, this is the only way, as Marx said, that we can come to the final consummation in the worker's paradise. So he, his prescription for driving history forward for toward the worker's paradise was class warfare and uh, to turn every faction of society against every other faction, to uh, factionalize every society until it, uh, whatever it its form of government or whatever its economy might be that is destroyed and laid waste so socialism can take over and uh, the people can be enslaved. We see this process happening in our own country right now. It is well underway. But um, this uh, questioning the, uh, the, the legitimacy of the elections is part of that and a big part of it and I think the whole uh, factionalization and fractionalization of our country and our people is coming to a head here in this such that uh, we we may well be facing in the years ahead civil war and a civil war unlike anything we've ever seen before we've had our American Civil War uh, the North against the South uh, we've had that war for a state's rights and uh, at least there, the sides were somewhat well-defined. But in the civil war that is being prepared for America, uh, that is being wished for America, that is being, unfortunately, I think, prepared for here in America, uh, that will be a civil war of neighbor against neighbor, uh, against brother against brother, not fighting in blue and gray this time, uh, but actually uh, fighting on the home front within their own homes. Uh, that it'll be neighbor against neighborhood, neighbor, neighborhood against neighborhood. It will be a complete breakdown of all uh, human society and structure. The purpose of that will, of course, be to pave the way for martial law and uh, complete repression, uh, because anarchy always brings about tyranny. And um, I, I am very much afraid that our country is in serious risk of seeing this happen. Um, and is, is actually at the flashpoint or approaching the flashpoint when this could well happen. And when it does happen, I fear it will begin and spread and spread like wildfire. And 
It will be almost impossible to stop except for massive shows of force. I fear that we are at that point. I think we have to be very, very careful, therefore. Uh, we're at that point or approaching that point. I think we have to be very, very careful uh, about the rhetoric we use and, uh, and very careful in thinking out uh, how, if any way, we can avoid this from happening because it is absolutely terrible. It's, it's the worst. It is the worst. One could argue whether the chaos and the anarchy is worse than the tyranny or not. But uh, there definitely is a fear of tyranny now, and I'm afraid that we've come to the point, we've let it come to the point now, where we are facing the prospect of uh, anarchy uh, as a preparation for the coming of the tyrant. So, in any case, um, these are things that should make us pray. I'm not offering really any other solution to this than the one that Our Lady offered at Fatima. I'm just saying that we need to be very, very much concerned about the point where our country stands right now, um, a point where we have, we have brought the country to stand at that point uh, by our immoral actions or our uh, lack of moral actions and moral fortitude to prevent this from happening. And uh, so our Lady's words of Fatima are being fulfilled. And I, I fear that uh, the results can be terrible indeed. I ask you all to pray with a great, great uh, fervor to Almighty God to spare you, spare your family, spare your neighborhood, spare all your loved ones, of course, spare our country. We should be praying assiduously as we approach this election day. Uh, things will be hotter and hotter the, uh, in terms of the temperaments, and um, the danger will grow more and more, I, th I believe, as we, f as we grow closer and closer to the election day. And then the initial days after the election are going to be critical days as to uh, what direction we take from there. <clears throat> Pray. Seriously, pray. And offer to God a bit of sacrifice during that time as well. Now, another issue I thought it would be good to talk about <clears throat> is that question of the lesser of two evils, because that is still a percolating along, a percolating around the conservative circles as to whether they are permitted to vote for someone flawed <clears throat> uh, in order to prevent someone uh, downright evil from, from taking taking uh, the position and the power that goes with that position. Well, uh, I think that another illustrative point would be that of how God himself has, um, has brought about the law, the, the new law. You see, there are those who are saying, well, the one candidate is so flawed, uh, I just don't see how I can vote for him, even if it's to pre prevent the country, our country, from suffering a, a horrendous evil. But I think uh, if we take the example that God himself provides in the Old Testament, it might help us to understand a bit, a bit more this lesser of two evils or the indirect voluntary question. Um, I think the answer can be found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5, uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord says that he has not come to destroy the law, but he came to perfect the law. He came to complete the law, as it were. 
And our Lord's words imply that the old law, the law of Moses, that had been the standard for the Hebrew people for 1,000, almost 400 years before our Lord's birth, was somehow defective. Defective, deficient, insofar as it was not complete. There was something missing. And in fact, there was something missing. And we saw one of those major, major missing items of the law when our Lord's enemies asked him if it was permissible to put away a wife, for a man to put away his wife and take another wife. And our Lord was very resolute in this, very clear, no divorce. You marry as long as you live, you're married. God has joined you together, and no human being has the power to break that asunder. Now, this was a shock to the people of our Lord's time. Uh, it was just accepted among them as a normal operating sta standard operating procedure for a man who didn't want his wife any longer to draw up a bill of divorce and put her away and then go take another wife, if he so cho chose to do so. Even the apostles, as you recall, asked our Lord afterwards, they asked him how this could possibly be. So they themselves were quite stunned by our Lord's teaching. And all that our Lord was doing was restoring what the original design of God was for marriage. But I think what's important here is to keep in mind that God actually allowed the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, to stand for 1,500 years. It actually was God himself who revealed that law to Moses. We know from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, God giving Moses the tablets with the law, carved into stone, no less. And, um, but this was permitted by Moses, that a man could write a bill of divorce and put away a wife he didn't want anymore and take another wife. Why would God tolerate that? Why would God permit that? Well, it is very clear, from, especially from the action of our Lord's own people, when he told them that they could not do this any longer. It is clear from their reaction why God did not place this upon Moses, place this responsibility on Moses to reveal this to the people, the fullness of the law. They were not prepared for this, and uh, they would have, uh, rejecting God's grace, become even more difficult and perhaps impossible to deal with. And so the plan that God had would have could have easily ground to a halt there, and led to the very the deaths of Moses and Aaron, for that matter. God was not going to impose that burden upon Moses to carry the fullness of the law. The fullness of the law would be brought by our Lord himself, God's own divine Son. He would reveal what was lacking in the law of Moses. He would complete that law and its deficiencies. And I, I think that's an important lesson for us to, to learn when we're dealing with questions like, well, for example, the upcoming election, that uh, just because things are not perfect, it doesn't make them bad or evil. It doesn't, and, and even if they are bad or evil or deficient, it doesn't mean that they can't be tolerated. God himself tolerated that deficiency in the law of Moses, and that actually came from God. It was revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai and, and at God's command delivered to the people. And the people were obliged to keep that law as, as their covenant with God. Even though it was deficient, even though it was going to have to be corrected, and it would be corrected by our Lord himself. 
So we may find uh, shortfalls, certainly, and we will find shortfalls in human beings. But we don't have to find someone who's perfect to, uh, to vote for that, that person. Um, if we see that they can avert serious evils, we might have an obligation to vote for them, a moral obligation to vote for them. As the Jews had a moral obligation to follow the Mosaic law, as long as it prevailed. Now we know that the law of grace prevails, but thanks be to God, it does. But that means that we will obey the laws of God out of love for God and to be faithful to him. But that doesn't mean that anything less than that is necessarily evil. And even when it is evil, it doesn't mean it's not necessarily tolerated for a time. So again, uh, for those who um, simply have crossed off the idea of voting for either candidate because of the flaws, uh, one serious, the other horrendous, uh, personal flaws on one part, and actually societal flaws such that a person uh, you know, truly does engage the, the uh, totalist government, the collectivist, the leftist, Marxist um, concept of society and the society that we should all, uh, if you call it living, live in. Now this is the, uh, this is the option. Well, if it truly is an option, then it is clear what we must do. We must reject uh, the Marxism. We must reject the, uh, the leftist um, revolution. Absolutely. And if it's necessary, then we will have to vote for someone who uh, is very flawed in terms of our own Catholic belief. But there are precedents for that, even in salvation history, there are precedents that in that even in the way that God has taught us and presented the law to us, that God simply has tolerated our weaknesses, that he has tolerated our imbecility, that God has tolerated this. And thank goodness he has, because if he hadn't all this time, we, the human race would have disappeared not only from the face of the earth, but the earth itself might well have disappeared uh, before the face of God, if God were not willing and so willing to tolerate our shortcomings and our failures. If God could raise to the priesthood such uh, human beings as unworthy as they are to share in his own divine priesthood and tolerate their failings and faults within his own priesthood, if God could allow that, then who are we to say, well, I cannot tolerate this for any reason, and um, I, I have decided that I will not even be willing to uh, tolerate the evils that God himself has tolerated in me, perhaps, for years now. Um, remember our Lord said he did not come to extinguish the smoldering flax, he did not come to break the bruised reed, and so by that our Lord again, indicated his willingness to tolerate our shortcomings. Well, it may well happen that we have to tolerate shortcomings in our candidates for the presidency of the United States. And so be it, if that is necessary. But one thing we cannot do is we cannot allow a Marxist, leftist, revolutionary um, 
government, absolute government, uh, one worlder to take control of the United States of America, that would definitely not be God's will. So I ask you to please, again, consider and reconsider these things. And when you do uh, vote, as I assume you will, on Election Day, I ask you to vote with the understanding that you are doing what is right and necessary in order to serve God at that moment, and that you will do so with a clear conscience, however difficult it may be, because you know right from wrong, and you appreciate the evil of wrong, you nonetheless realize that uh, sometimes it is necessary and required of good people uh, to make some difficult choices. And uh, in this, we might say that we ourselves at times even have to imitate God in this, in this, his great mercy, which often manifests itself Intolerance, not in failing to denounce evil, not in accepting it or embracing it, not at all. We still have to condemn the evil for what it is. But nonetheless, we just have to distinguish evil from evil. Because even in hell, there is a gradation, there's a hierarchy there also. There's a hierarchy among the evil, even of mortal sin. There's a distinction that must be made there in terms of its malice. And if there are those who have such a malice against God and his order in human society that they would destroy it utterly, then that we absolutely must oppose. Well, may God bless you.